Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC Movie Rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. As the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the Netflix special Once and Always is one of the hosts of the All-Star Superfan Podcast, Rob O'Connor. Welcome. It's morphin' time. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to have you here. A couple of things that I just want to say right at the top. Number one, we will be discussing this very recent special. There will be spoilers. I would imagine any Power Rangers fan listening to this podcast has already watched the special, but on the off chance you haven't, not that I ever want to discourage anyone from checking out the podcast, but hit pause, head on over to Netflix, take 55 minutes, watch the special, and then come back because we will be discussing spoilers. And number two, I could not be more excited to do this. As, as you know, you know, we're about a dozen episodes into this podcast and we've been looking back and it's been a wonderful experience reliving my childhood in a very real sense and looking at all of these things with fresh eyes. And it's, it's been eye-opening. And of course, the Boom Studios uh, comics, that has been new territory. But for the most part, I've been looking back to have something like this new yeah. to dive into is is pretty surreal, right? I mean, did you have a similar experience watching this? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I've rewatched Power Rangers a lot over the years and stuff like that, but it, it is a very different thing kind of going back and, and looking back at something that you, you knew as a kid and, and all that sort of stuff. Watching this, so I, I had a week off work randomly and I didn't have any big plans or anything like that. So I, I literally jumped out of bed in my pajamas, made some cereal and sat down to watch effectively a brand new episode of Power Rangers. It was surreal. It was, it was literally, it was the first time ever that it felt like going back in time as opposed to just, you know, 
like rewatching something on Netflix, I was actually transported back to the 90s while I was watching it, you know? So it was amazing. Yeah, it was so cool to be able to do that. Uh, the, the way we would have done back in the day where, you know, I don't know about you, but a lot of the Power Rangers I watched as a kid, it was on quite early in the morning. So, you know, you'd race out of bed at like eight in the morning and it would already be on. And, you know, so it brought me back to that and it was just, just amazing. Surreal. I know I saw your Instagram post and you got, you got to it a few hours before I did. I was very envious, but <laughs> you said a surreal experience to be in my PJs eating cereal, making an appointment to watch a new episode of Power Rangers <laughs> featuring many of the classic characters, truly like stepping back in time. A wonderful love letter to the original series, you wrote. I expected it to be fun, but I didn't think it would have the emotional heft it had. Even at just 55 mm. minutes, it surpasses all of the theatrical Power Rangers films. Well worth a watch. Yeah, and, and I stand by that, I think. I, I, I would agree. This was, this was really an experience, and there's a lot to unpack here, and I want to talk about your Power Rangers fan journey and all of that, but I'll just say mm. big picture, just kind of even from an emotional standpoint. I watched it that Wednesday night, and what's interesting is, you know, my wife has an interest in Power Rangers. She maybe dabbled in it more so than like I was religiously watching it as a kid, but she is a fan, but I didn't necessarily think she was particularly interested in watching this. And so, you know, we mm. got our son down for bed and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the Power Rangers. She was like, oh, I want to watch it. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so we sat down <laughs> and, we, and we watched it and she enjoyed it. I don't think she got quite as much mileage out of it as I did, but she, she definitely enjoyed it. But I was just sitting there tearing up at points, big smile yeah. on my face at, at others, just feeling like this was made for us in yes, specifically, a, yeah. a way that I don't think anything else has since those early seasons that we watched as a kid. And I mean, I got so into it at one point when Billy and the special is talking about the Z-Wave, uh, of course, from the end of, of Countdown uh, to Destruction uh, and Power Rangers in Space, I paused it and I'm explaining it to my wife. I'm like, so at the end of this, <laughs> at the end of this space season, like Zordon tells Andros to destroy the tube and it releases this wave of energy and it purifies all the evil in the universe and Rita and Zed become human. She was a very good sport. She's like, okay. <laughs> I only paused it that, that, one, that one time. But I mean, I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't have had a better experience watching this. And I think for both of us, we probably went in with, with a lot of hope and a lot of expectation. And that's, mm. as you know, I'm, we both have found over the years as fans of various things, not always a good recipe for success when you want <laughs> no. so much out of it. But what a treat this was, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, and I mean, I kind of went into it, the, the, the cynic in me was saying, okay, so so this is, this does look like the, the production budget was not enormous. And Netflix obviously have the rights now and and part of me was kind of going i wonder if this is kind of a fact finding mission for them to see you know how much will people just buy something that is cheap and done in the same way as the earlier power rangers productions which is just shot on the ultra cheap and uh you, you know and i i was kind of wondering maybe they're going into it trying to figure out if they can get away with doing that rather than doing this big sort of lavish like disney studio disney plus type show like marvel do with their stuff because obviously Netflix are planning this big reboot. So I was thinking maybe they're kind of just testing the waters a bit to see will the older fans appreciate something that, you know, has the aesthetic of the older stuff. Um, but then as I was watching it, I was kind of going, no, I, I think this was made with affection for that aesthetic. And I think they, the, the people, the, the way it's shot and the way the costumes are and 
that, you know, there's a bit where one of the putties has sweat under his armpits and you can see it and, but they don't shy away from it. And, and, and it's just so lovely the way they've done it that I don't think there was cynicism in this. I think it really was a labor of love. And I mean this in the nicest possible way, but it felt to me like a really, really good fan film, if that makes sense. Like it was made for fans by fans and, uh, you know, all the little nods were in there, but they didn't shy away from the aesthetic at all. Whereas a lot of these new kind of reboots or revamps of things that, that they'll, they'll tidy off the, the costumes and stuff, but they'll get rid of the imperfections like the zippers and all that kind of stuff. And obviously the, those great things that Bat and the Sun do, uh, w- whenever they do Power Ranger stuff, the suits always look a little bit better than they ever did on the actual show. Whereas here they just, they look the same, but they look great, you know? Um, so yeah, no, I, it was, I, I really, I was surprised by how much I enjoy it. I have to say, and I mean, there were, there were flaws and we can talk about them, but I, I, I genuinely, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I have to say. Yeah. Aesthetically. And I will get more into all of this, but if they had just given me a guy in a Zord suit, I would have been completely happy. That was visually, that was the mm. one area where I was like, man, I, I still don't think yeah. we've seen anything top the way they used to do it back in the day, as far as the, the Zord fights. But to your point, I think, and this kind of ties in with what I was feeling about this whole thing in terms of the aesthetic and and the story and the characterization. It felt like the perfect blend where it felt familiar, again, in terms of its look and its feel, it felt familiar mm. enough to what we grew up with, where again, it really felt like it was it was made for us and we were back in that world and it felt like we were picking up with these characters. But- it was elevated. And yeah, so this wasn't, you know, a hundred million dollar production, but it definitely looked a lot more polished than, you know, than the original show did. And in terms of the story and everything, we got layers and depth and just territory that we would have never gotten. I mean, we deal with death and grief and guilt in a way that we never did, but it still felt like the show. So they struck this kind of amazing balance where I feel like it would have been easy to kind of go completely in the other direction, right? And make something that's like hardcore and adult. And we might watch it and be like, well, yeah. all right, this is kind of cool, but this doesn't really feel like the show that we watched. Or to make something that really just felt totally like another episode of the 90s. And that would have been fun, but like this just took it to a new level and they they walked the yeah. line really nicely, I thought. Yeah, and and, and I have to say, and, and you probably find this as well, re-watching the show is that the reason I've never just watched the entire series of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is because... There is such a limited kind of emotional breadth to the show and the types of stories they tell that they can get repetitive and the, the emotional journeys the characters go through are, are, are pretty limited for the most part. So the ones I tend to rewatch are, you know, the Green with Evil arc where, you know, the, the whole formula is turned on its head or white light or any of those kind of landmark ones. But it's very rare that you'd find yourself going, oh, well, I think I'll just stick on, you know, such and such an episode from season one because they are, they, they do sort of, run together that they're, they're kind of samey after a while whereas what i loved about this was that yeah they, they told a compelling emotional story where the main trio of zach billy and the new character min they went on a really substantial emotional journey that you know y- you can forgive the imperfections of everything else because that was so compelling and that it really didn't need to be as that that part of it didn't need to be as good as it was and i was really really impressed by that i'm walter jones what an actor <laughs> like he's really good in this this guy and- i was I, MVP, MVP for sure. Yeah, yeah. What what a what a treat to have. Look to have David Yost and Walter Jones back for the first time since they left the franchise mm. is monumental. 
and, and not to not to diminish David Yost, but yeah, Walter Jones just I just stole the show, man. I feel like this was this was his and again, all of the character beats with Min with him as a surrogate father. I mean, all of that played great. And you know, and he does the hip hop keto in the juice bar. And it's like you're watching it, and it's just <laughs> yeah. it's it was it was so so good. Let's take a step back for a second in terms of your yeah. Power Rangers fan journey. So yes, what what is your history with the show, and what era or eras did you watch? Like fully uh, watch? so, yeah. So so I I was there for the height of the craze, and it, it it was as big. I suspect it was as big here in Ireland as it was in America. Like it was it was it was a it was a show that everybody watched, and if they didn't watch it, they pretended that they did. Like it was, everyone was constantly talking about it. I remember running around wearing a green T-shirt because Tommy was my favorite, and then switching to blue because Billy became my favorite. Then I had the little Billy flip head figure. Um, but I remember that, that there was always an, an element of kind of controversy and danger around the show because it was deemed to be very violent, and a, and a lot of parents didn't like people watching it. My mother specifically didn't really like us watching it. But um, she then told me many years later that she grew to love it because we were so hypnotized by it when it was on that she could get other stuff done in the house while we were watching it. Um, so I was a huge Mighty Morphin fan. And um, and then obviously, you know, uh, like so many of us, I, I drifted away from it kind of, I'd say midway through. I remember watching quite a bit of Zio and then kind of just drifting when that one was on. And I, I don't think I watched any of Turbo and I was completely gone by the time they went to space. But then, of course, my younger brother then was, he was kind of getting older and he started watching. He, I think Lightspeed Rescue he watched. So I kind of jumped back on a little bit for that. But I finally came back to it in a big way when I found out online many years later when I was about 16 or 17 uh, that Tommy had come back in this show Dino Thunder. And I was like, whoa, that sounds really cool. So I went and I watched all of Dino Thunder, really loved it. And Ever since then, I kind of periodically check back in whenever they do these reunions or, you know, so obviously Jason has come back once or twice and, and Tommy's been back a bunch of times. So I, it, it's, it's very much, it's not like your Batman or your Superman or, or your Star Trek or things like that, where I, it's kind of always with me and it never goes away. Power Rangers is something that I'll dive back into for, you know, a month or two, once or twice a year and get really, really, really into it. And I, the comics as well, love those. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'll, I'll kind of get really, really big into Power Rangers for a couple of months and then I'll sort of drift away again. Um, and then they'll, they'll do something like this and they'll pull me right back in, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm one of those fair weather fans who loved Mighty Morphin and, and then sort of drifted a bit, but it's, it's something that is, uh, it, it is very near and dear to my heart. And the, the last thing I'll say about my fandom is, and I think you'll probably find this as well. Part of what I love about watching it now is knowing how it was made. Like I, I work in TV and to think that the, Haim Saban had this idea that he was going to cobble together footage from a Japanese show and do this kind of say by the bell thing around it. It's, it's just insane. It's, it's just so kind of, I, I don't even know how you describe it. It's, it's, it's like a Frankenstein creation and you know, it, it's very, um, cheap on the one hand but it's it's so charming and interesting how they pulled it all off and then the fact that they had to go back and ask the japanese company to make more footage and all this crazy stuff um and i just find that all so fascinating and and to your point about the zord battles and we'll get back into that for me power rangers kind of becomes substantially less interesting once they discover how to do computer generated imagery 
because once you lose the the kind of charm of a guy uh, dressed up as a giant robot, it's I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of drifting at that point, you know. Whereas, um, like I watched Screen with Evil I, very recently, and there's that lovely scene where the Megazord picks up a school bus, and you can literally see the kind of rubber glove the actor is wearing. I, I just find that so charming and and pleasant to look at, you know. Even though it's, you know, a cynic would say, "Oh, well, it's so fake" or whatever. It's just lovely, you know. <laughs> No, I hear you. I identify. I agree with all of that. And it sounds like we had very similar experiences because as I've mm. talked about, like yourself, I faded during Zio. Though as I've recently discovered now in looking through the list of Zio episodes, I made it until almost the end. In my head, I was always like, oh, I made mm. it like halfway through. I, I think I got just about all the way there. But and, and I'll be doing a run of episodes on Zio in the not too distant future. I'm excited to get back into it. There's something very bittersweet about it because I remember how exciting it was when they made that switch from yeah. Mighty Morphin to Zeo. And it was it was a huge event and they had those little shorts uh, that were in front of episodes leading up to it with the, you know, with all the, the and then the Zeo crystal stuff. And it, it was just so fun and exciting. And and I was excited when Jason came back as the Gold Ranger. So yes. to go from a very high level of excitement, like pretty deep into the season to just kind of being like, okay, I'm done with this. Sad to me, but in any event, I am excited to rewatch that. And, and yeah, it sounds like we've had similar experiences. I... You know, once I stopped watching during Zio, I never really went back to it. I guess with just a couple of exceptions, when I heard of uh, when I heard about Forever Red, you know, the episode of Wild yeah. Force that brought back all the Red Rangers, and I feel like I must have watched that on YouTube, like not that many years ago. And then, like yourself too, I of course uh, you know heard about uh, Jason David Frank coming back in Dino Thunder, uh, but even there, I've only kind of dabbled a little bit. And it's, it's funny, so I watched Once and Always uh, the Wednesday night when it released. And then last night, in advance of our recording, before I rewatched uh, Once and Always, I watched all of the, essentially all of the quote unquote legacy episodes when past mm. Rangers came back. So I went through Forever Red and from Dino Thunder, I know Tommy, of course, is in the whole season, but I watched Legacy of Power, the 500th episode where the new Rangers oh, watch, cool. you know, Tommy's history of the Power Rangers. I felt like that was, that would be a good, a good representation. I watched... Uh, legendary battle where Tommy makes really essentially a cameo and leads all of the yeah. the various Ranger teams. I watched Dimensions in Danger from Ninja Steel. Where that one's really cool. <laughs> that was that was a lot of fun. Where you get Tommy, Cat, and Rocky as well as other you know other other veteran Rangers from other seasons. And Tommy has the Master Morpher, which I see you're you're holding Master up Morpher. there. Yeah. And that's when we find out that Tommy has a son, JJ. Uh, I also watched. I had a, it was a busy night last night. I also watched uh, Grid Connection from Beast Morphers, where Austin St. John mm. uh, returns as, as Jason and uh, leads a, a, a mix of Rangers against Goldar Maximus. Uh, so I went through all of those. The only ones I didn't watch were the and I, I loved Johnny Young Bosch as Adam, but I didn't I didn't rewatch his legacy episodes. Uh, yeah, always a chance. The Operation and, Overdrive. Yeah, it was for the, I think the episode is always a chance, and then he did a two parter, Once a Ranger. Um, so mm. I didn't I didn't watch those, but I watched all of the. Tommy and or Jason uh, return appearances in advance. And it was cool. Again, a lot of these things I had seen clips here and there, or I had read about them, but this was the first time I really sat down and watched them and they were fun, but kind of going back to what I was saying before, I'm watching these random episodes in the middle of the later seasons. And I have no yeah. idea what's going on. I have no connection to those characters. It's not the show's fault, but again, like I was saying, once and always just felt like this was, 
this was for us in a way that the legacy episodes, in a way that the 2017 film, even though I like it for what it is, and I think there's, I think it's underrated, but I still don't really feel like it was for for us per se, not like this. Mm, no, no, absolutely, and and I think to your point about watching clips on YouTube, I think some of the some of the later reunion legacy episodes, if you want to call them that you can kind of get the gist of it just by watching the clips. I, I don't think you even, I watched all of the, um, the Jason one. I can't even remember grid connection. And you know, the, the, the majority of the episode is mainly about the, the new characters of that particular season. It doesn't really involve Jason up until that legendary moment that he morphs and fights gold or Maximus and all that. So, so that, so that's great. And, and yeah, that there was a similar problem with the super mega force one where Tommy sort of just shows up and says, we're here to fight by your side. And that's, that's kind of it. Um, whereas, whereas this, yeah, you, you know, you have the characters actually, you, we're spending time with them. We're, we're, we're hearing about where they are, where they're at in their lives. And we're, we're going on a bit of a journey with them. And I, I think I've written down as well, you know, obviously we went into this knowing that certain people had said no and that they didn't, they, they, they either couldn't be a part of it or didn't want to be a part of it for whatever reason. I think there was kind of a happy accident that that happened because it allowed Walter Jones and David Yost to really just take the center stage in a way that if if Jason or Kimberly had been there, I think it would have inevitably ended up being more about them than than these two guys who who have never really returned to the franchise in a substantial way. So it, I was kind of I weirdly glad while I was watching it. I was kind of going, I'm kind of actually grateful that. At least uh, Austin St. John and Amy Jo Johnson aren't in this. Obviously, Jason David Frank is a very different thing. But um, that, that, that did sort of occur to me. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I was kind of like, it, it's kind of, this is kind of their show and I'm kind of good with that. I'm so glad you said that. I, I came to the same place as well. And I, I want to talk about kind of what our feelings and expectations and questions were going into this. But I ultimately came away from it thinking the same as you, where had the others been there, it would have been a very different dynamic. And it it's mm. hard to really foresee a scenario where it would have been Billy and Zach's story. And yeah, again, to your, like you said, with, you know, Jason David Frank, very different case. Like now this would have been the last opportunity to, to have him and all that. But putting that aside for a minute, just kind of looking at the vacuum of when they made this, when he had declined to return and all of that, you know, Tommy and Jason had both come back. They had had those yeah. moments. I mean, Amy Jo, Amy jo Johnson didn't, right? Her, the Turbo movie was her last appearance. So, you know, she <laughs> would kind of be a little bit more in that, uh, you know, in that uh, Billy or Zach camp where we haven't seen her in so long. But, you know, the others had had big return moments, but they're the biggest characters. So I yeah. feel like, yeah, they would have taken up more more of the episode. And so, yeah, I mean, this just created space for Billy and Zach to have this really compelling emotional story dealing with the guilt of losing Trini and then the responsibility of trying to guide her, her daughter, Min. So it, 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 the happy accident, I think is a great way to put it. Like it really kind of, it unexpectedly worked a lot better than fans would probably have thought going into this. So mm. kind of on that note, and I can probably guess what some of the answers will be, because I think it's something that was swirling around for all of us, but this was announced. We saw photos, we got a description, we saw the, the, the teaser and then the longer trailer. And so we started to get a sense of what this thing was going to be about what were your initial reactions and the biggest questions that you had going into this? Uh, initial reactions were, I, I, I was, I was maybe expecting something a, with a little bit more of a lavish budget. 
Um, that's not to say I didn't think the end results did look great, but it, it was clear that they, they they weren't coming at this, they weren't going to pour money into this, is, is the point I'm trying to make here. Um, that, that, that was the initial thing. Questions going into it, I mean, obviously, you know, the, your nerdy questions like, are they going to explain how the Dino powers are even back? Probably not. Uh, are they going to explain how Reed is back? I, I didn't think they would give as effective an explanation as they did, uh, but that, that was another one. And then, obviously, my other kind of expectations was, well, maybe they managed to squeeze in a, David, a Jason David Frank cameo somewhere. Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of half wondered if that would be the case as well, um, even despite him saying that he'd retired and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, I, and, and yeah, I, I, I wasn't quite sure if I was confident in this being good, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to set my expectations too high. And I think that's probably a big part of why I ended up enjoying it so much because I didn't go in with really, really high expectations. I was kind of like, let's just, let's just take this on its own terms and see, see how it turns out, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think I had essentially the same questions and I'm sure a lot of fellow fans, you know, felt the same. I guess I was also wondering too, kind of along the lines of what you said about Rita. Yeah. To what extent the show would really reflect and honor the continuity that's been established in the years since. And it's one of these weird things where, as I said, I really don't have an attachment to anything beyond Zio yet. At the same time, I don't know, just as a fan of, of the franchise and just as kind of as a comic book fan, it's like the idea of, you know, finding a way to strike a balance where this really feels Mm. like a follow-up to Mighty Morphin and reunion yet. It's still, kind of incorporates what's gone on in the years since. And I thought they really did a nice job. And yes, this explanation for how Rita returned, which like yourself, I was like, are they even going to like, is there going to be any kind of explanation? And this whole idea that Billy was trying to reconstitute Zordon, retrieve the particles that had dispersed in that Z-wave at the end of Power Rangers in space, and he gets a hit, but it turns out to be Rita's evil energy. And that fact that yeah. they even have Rita explain that, you know, the evil within her was sort of, you know, scattered across the universe. And that's what's been pulled back in. And that she takes over Alpha's body, Alpha 8's body. And that creates the robo Rita that we were seeing in, in all of the previews and everything. It was great. I, I thought it worked really, cool. worked really well. And I was very pleasantly surprised that they that they took the time to to account for that. And even... The, the, you know, the selfie that you had posted on Instagram of you in front of your TV, <laughs> you know, it was with that text that opens it. Yeah. And I really love that. I thought it, it just kind of set the stage very nicely because it's like, you know, one fateful day in 1993, you know, Rita Repulsa escapes her, her space dumpster. Zordon recruits five teenagers with attitude in the year since, you know, many more have, you know, have answered the call. Yes. Answered right. The call. Yeah. That, that, that reminded me of, I, I haven't seen anyone really point this out. That felt to me like a nod to the movie. Because at the movie, it starts with a, the, the 1995 movie, yes. it starts with a text screen with that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the movie, by the way, that that's one of the ones I would, I would go back to the most just because it's, it's a nice kind of two hour kind of chunk of Power Rangers that you can just sit back and enjoy and, and not really feel like, you know, you're missing out on the, 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 the sort of setup or anything like that. But like we were saying earlier on, there isn't really a compelling emotional story in that movie. Like they, they get a bit sad that Zordon's sick and then he gets better at the end. And that's kind of it, you yeah. know? And that's why I think this is so much better than that, even though there are probably aesthetic things in the movie that are, that are bigger and more, you know, well, not more interesting, but interesting in its own way, you know? Yes. So, you know, other questions or, or just reactions, I was 
shocked when I watched that first trailer and you know, that it made it clear that Trini is killed, right? The mm. fact that that was going to that arranger death at all. And that Trini in particular, like that was going to be the, the thrust or the jumping off point for the story. I was just surprised. Cause again, I didn't know exactly what this thing was going to be. And, and we knew from watching the original show, they never got into stakes like that. So yeah. I, you know, I was really surprised. I didn't know at what point in time this was happening because, you know, you see this fight with Robo Rita and the putties on the cliff. And I did, was this going to be set years and years ago? Was this going to be some sort of time travel thing? I, you know, again, really had no idea. So to find out that we're, you know, essentially in the present and they're active Rangers. And then of course, after Trini's death, we have the one year later uh, business, but you know, I, I really didn't know what, what to expect on that front. And then, yeah, I like yourself. I mean, I definitely, I guess the Andrew Garfield no way home business now has conditioned us or me at least when an actor is like, no, I'm not in this. I'm like, well, but are you really? Well, are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, again, with, with the Austin St. John, Jason David Frank and Amy Jo Johnson, like I definitely thought there was going to be some, not definitely, but I thought maybe there would be some sort of surprise anything. And then what I was kind of thinking about after the fact was, could they not have at least worked out vocal cameos? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, or, or, or like a, or a zoom call or something, you know, something like that, because there's zoom calls in this special, you know, um, or, or at least they look like them. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like all the, the voice clips we hear are archive voice. Well, they did have to be in Jason, Dave Frank's case, but, um, that the, they're all reused from the show, obviously, aren't they? Yes. That's my understanding mm -hmm. at least. Now, now this was, this was kind of one of the big questions I wanted to ask you they didn't have these actors to work with, right? So the path that they chose was to show those characters morphed only, right? And then of course they are captured and shrunk down into action figure size and that gets them off the board for the majority of the movie. Uh, whenever we do hear them speak, like you said, it's this, you know, just archive uh, audio clips. So that's the path that, that they went down. <laughs> uh, you know, I there's another world where maybe just the group of, of rangers that we're dealing with is just a different configuration, right? I mean, we get to the point where, of course, Rocky and Kat teleport in when the Bandora protocol is activated. But, you know, there's another scenario where maybe they were just the active red and pink rangers at the time, right? Yeah. Do you like what I they did? Like, how do you feel about the the path that they chose for this? Um, I, I you know, I do. I, 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 I think it would have been a shame had there been this final showdown and we were missing a red and a pink ranger. So in that sense, it, you know, it, it makes sense to have the, the backups be there. And also, you know, Rocky and Kat have enough sort of, uh, I don't know if Providence is the right word, but enough presence in the, the legacy of the series that you're grateful to see them, but also you don't need to spend as much time with them as you would if it had been Jason and Kimberly. Does that make sense? Yeah. So they're, they're, I'm kind of content for them to be lesser developed characters in this. Whereas if Jason and Kimberly had been in this and they had the roles that Rocky and Kat play in this, I would have been disappointed. So it again, it feels like another sort of a happy accident. I, I will say, I think Walter Jones really did a phenomenal job acting wise. And I did think David Jost was just maybe a step below him, but still incredibly strong. I do think Steve Cardenas and Catherine Sutherland, bless them. They're, they're just not at that level for me. I don't think, 
Um, but, you know, it was still lovely to see them. And I have fond memories, especially Rocky coming onto the show. I feel like I had a flip head figure of Rocky as well and I lost it. Um, so, so, so it was nice to see them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, cause again, when we found out that they were going to be in it and, and the others weren't, you know, the chatter online and all that. And, you know, in my mind, they're as much Mighty Morphin as the others they had. I mean, especially when we talk about Rocky, Adam and Aisha, they had such long tenures. Yeah. Um, Cat, not so much in the, yeah, exactly. You know, Cat, not so much in Mighty Morphin, but then she's there all through, Mm. all through Zio and the first part of Turbo. So, you know, they definitely earned their place. And, and I agree, it ended up balancing out nicely where they didn't need as much space as Zach and Billy. But what was cool was, you know, going back to that Dimensions in Danger episode, you know, they're there for that episode, but they have nothing to do. So this, I felt like at least they had some cool moments but they still, mm. you know, that yes, they weren't, you know, they weren't really the leads of this. But yeah, I mean, I guess I go back and forth on this because in my mind, I'm, part of me is like, it's so glaringly obvious that we didn't have the actors playing, you know, uh, Jason, Tommy and Kimberly. And again, part of me wonders, should we have even bothered with that business of them only being morphed and getting captured as opposed to just making it like, you know, the current lineup at the time is, you know, Rocky and Cat and, and, and so on. But I think I, I can understand why they did this, because at least those characters, even if the actors weren't participating, like those characters were there, those characters were represented. And if this is truly 30 year reunion of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like that's the group. So I, 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 I can appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me, All Yeah! Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. And yeah, and, and it's, one of the, it's one of the benefits of Power Rangers is that you can get away with that because their faces are completely covered. You, you can just, and they've done it loads of times. Like I, I feel like the, uh, the Greed Connection episode with Jason, the entire Mighty Morphin crew is there. Yes. <laughs> you just never see or hear from them. They're just in their costumes the whole time. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think I'm glad that they were there. It, it was a little bit hokey and it was a little bit goofy. And I feel like if I didn't have the context 
going in that certain people had said no and all that. I, maybe I would have been a little bit less forgiving of it. But uh, no, I thought I thought it was fun and turning them into little action figures, and they were blatantly action figures. <laughs> I just love that. It's it's just part of the the campy charm Power Rangers has. You know that they so easily could have just turned them into glowing globs of color or something like that, or CGI energy in a in a in a tube or something like that. But they, no, they they turned them into little Hasbro action figures, and that's that's just great. That's the thing, right? You you can't talk about Power Rangers without talking about the toys. And it was such a big part of the mm. experience for all of us as kids. So mm. yeah, to have them in that form definitely worked. And you know, the last thing I'll say about not having the actors there, because I was thinking about this last night as I was still kicking this idea around. I'm like, you know what? Having recently revisited it on the podcast, the whole power transfer business when Jason, Zach, and Trini left the show and the actors weren't there and they had to work around it. And so I'm like, you know what? This Holy is, heck. Like, this is in keeping with this show. <laughs> it's like, this is yeah, what they yeah. do. And so part of me is like, yeah, in an ideal world, it would have been great to have had the originals there or at least voice cameo. So it felt like, you know, they were they were more present. But yeah, on the other hand, I'm like, you know what? There's something kind of kind of cool about sort of, you know, they've been down this road before and sometimes that's what they mm. have to work with. So it felt very Power Rangers True. <laughs> to not yeah. have half the team there. You know, so it, it, I thought it I thought it definitely worked. Now, on the on the villain front, you know, we've talked about Robo Rita. And of course, uh, we had Barbara Goodson doing that, that iconic voice. And you, you got to have that for Rita. We have I believe these were new monsters, right? I don't I don't recall them being from the show Skizzard and, and Minotaur, but I don't not positive. I don't recall them being on the show either, but I believe I read somewhere that that Minotaur was on the show. Okay. Um, I, I might be wrong there. I, I I think they may actually be returning characters. Yeah, I'm not sure though. All right, so I'll um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll retract that at least partially. But mm-hmm. I know others out there will know. But they're certainly not, you know, Goldar, right? And so I guess my question is: no. Would you have preferred to see some of the more familiar monsters? I mean, Ed, Goldar in particular, I guess, would be the biggest question. I would have loved to have seen Goldar. I feel like maybe they didn't do Goldar because Goldar Maximus was such a big part of the the Grid Connection episode. Um, in terms of the other ones, like the your Babu and Frick and those kind of guys, um, I feel like this special walked a really nice line and it sort of balanced the goofy elements that we wanted to see and kind of left out some of the ones that maybe wouldn't 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 be in tune with our kind of. 33, 35 year old sensibilities. And and for me, that I, I felt like they were very clever with the way they, they did that. Um and yeah, no, that Minotaur and Snizzard were it, it reminded me of Taka and Razar from uh, Secret of the Ooze, the Ninja Turtles movie, where you, you're kind of expecting to see Bebop and Rocksteady and then there's these, these other guys. Um but yeah, no, I, I probably would have liked to seen Goldar and I would have liked to have seen Finster, who yeah, especially in the comics, is a really, really interesting character, and uh, I, I, I think there was maybe scope there to bring him back. But uh, no, I, I, the, the big blue guy and the guy with the monocle, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do without them. I have to say, fair enough. Yeah, Squat and Babu, fair, fair enough. I, I agree, though. I mean, I, yeah, I did miss Goldar because I did, like I said, I watched the or at least one of the Goldar Maximus episodes. You know, when Jason mm. came back, and you know, I don't know. I don't think he holds a candle to to original Goldar. No. But I agree with you. That's that probably is at least in part why they didn't bring him back. But yeah, no, I agree with you totally. I, you know, I've still only scratched the surface of the Boom Studios comics, but I love what they've done with Finster. And I, you know, I feel like that oh, really yeah. showed like, oh man, there's a lot more you can do with that character. And, you know, maybe if we get more of these specials or whatever the relaunch becomes, maybe, maybe we'll see that. 
But yeah, again, I think this was a fair balance. And look, they had Rita, and that's you know that's that's the big one. So mm. I'm glad I'm glad we had her. As far as other other presences that may or may not have been missed, how do you feel about No Bulk and Skull? Of course, we get that big billboard about their food company and and all that stuff. So there, there at least there's a nod to them, but they don't physically appear. Did you did you miss them, or did you feel like we didn't need them in this? Do you know what I actually did miss them? And and I know in the past on your on your. your your show, you've kind of mentioned that that they do sort of overpower those episodes when you go back to watch them. Like there's a lot of slapstick and a lot of it doesn't land. And if you've ever seen the Turbo movie, that some of their scenes in that are just just painfully unfunny. But they're they're such a part and parcel with Power Rangers, and and they grew so much on the series. And by the time you get to that countdown to destruction, like they're so good in that episode and. Yeah, like w- when you see that sort of, uh, I think it's like a billboard of their restaurant or something. Is this in this? It's a. Fo- I think um, it says like it's a food company. Like, uh, you know, some, yeah. yeah, but I, I forget exactly. I, I saw that and I thought, oh great, Bulk and Skull are going to be in it now, and then they weren't at all. And I was kind of like, well, yeah, no, I kind of would have liked maybe a scene of them, you know. Um, and I saw like even Jason Narvey was doing some interview in the Guardian about thirty years of Power Rangers, so I just naturally assumed, right, well, he's. He's on the publicity trail for this special. He must be in it. But yeah, apparently not. I I did miss them, I have to say. yeah. And I feel like it was probably something that fell victim to the runtime more than anything else. I'd like to think it was that rather than a a money thing or anything like that, you know? Yes. Yeah, I know. I I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and also the fact that it's in New Zealand and, you know, Mm. still dealing with pandemic protocols and stuff. I mean, there could be any number of things. It's funny because I've, I've recorded already the next two episodes that, that people will hear on this podcast. And I've really come around a lot on, on Bulk and yeah. Skull. And I think in part because of what you just said, you really do see that evolution. I think, yes, in my ideal world, would we have still kind of toned them down a little bit or maybe just a little bit less or taken their theme music down just like a little bit in the mix? Like, yeah. I, I still feel like it's they're a little bit much for me, but I they've really come to grow on me. And they're just... Like you said, I mean, they're just so indelible to the franchise. And it's one of those things, I'm, I'm glad, of course, we have the setting at the juice bar and we get a reference to Ernie and, you know, that actor had passed away, you know, but it just kind of felt like it would have been cool to see one, at least one more like tangible representation or connection to Angel Grove and the old show. And mm. I, I feel like something was missing by not having those two there. And I, Again, and for people who've been listening to the show, like that, like I can't believe he missed Bulk and Skull. I actually did miss Bulk and yeah. Skull after all that. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned it being filmed in New Zealand, actually, and I, I, I don't remember if I said this in my Instagram post, but um, the whole thing, like, it's clearly New Zealand. Like, it's it's that kind of muggy, overcast look, and then it's all very seaside looking. Where we're seeing a lot of shots of the ocean and like these kind of grassy hills and all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I live in the Republic of Ireland and we have a, uh, a, a, a mobile home that we go to for, for, for kind of vacations and stuff like that. Uh, and it's in the, in the rural county Wexford, which looks a lot like Angel Grove in this special. And, you know, a lot of my kind of peak power ranging would have been, you know, the summers in Wexford watching Power Rangers uh, on this, you know, grainy TV that didn't have great reception and then going out and playing, you know, out by the sea and stuff like that with my brothers. So to see Angel Grove actually looking like that was so surreal. Again, it was just another thing of like, not only am I being transported back in time, it feels relevant to the Power Ranger adventures I actually had playing, you know? 
which I, I loved. And I, I, I don't think anyone else probably had that experience watching this, but I, I just, I had to mention that as well. I loved that. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, I'm glad that you had that, that connection point. That's really neat. Yeah. I mean, I thought that the, you know, again, like that, especially that opening battle, right on, on the, on mm. the cliff, like that was, it was, it was gorgeous. And yeah, there was a scale to it that, you know, you didn't typically, you know, we, there were, a lot, there was a lot of time, certainly, you know, when, when we were shifting to the Japanese footage in the original show, we were oftentimes in industrial areas and things like that. But for the kind <laughs> yeah. of American shot footage, we were in parks a lot, like a lot of parks. So this really kind of, you know, opened it up a bit. And I loved the exterior of Cranston Tech sort of mirroring the the old command center look. And then he's got this, you know, this, you know, sub-basement uh, where he's got Alpha 5 and he's he's got Zordon's broken tube and all that. And that was the other question. W- were you surprised that, like, I was watching this and I was like, there's going to be a, a hint of Zordon coming back, whether it's before the credits or like a mid or post-credits thing. Were you surprised that they, that they held that back? Uh, yes, I was. And I was surprised that by the end of it, Zordon wasn't like back in some way shape or form and billy's kind of suggestion at the end was probably the most blatant kind of setting up the sequel type thing i thought where it was kind of like oh you know maybe there's still hope or something like that i was kind of going oh okay great there's gonna be more of these fine sign me up um which yeah and again i i had seen i think david fielding was doing interviews during the week as well about 30 years of power rangers so i just i naturally assumed all right well he must be back or maybe there's even flashbacks or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I was surprised. But again, effectively, they they pulled it off without him, definitely. Yes. And, you know, again, like you have now Billy in this, you know, in, in this leadership role. And, and again, like we were saying, had Jason or Tommy been there, I don't know that you would have had Billy front and center in the cockpit of the Megazord, right? So it just, it no. just created these, you know, these, these enhanced roles for them. And, and I think they deserved it, you know, given their tenure and the fact that this was their big the big return. I mean, one of the things that I don't want to say I choked up, it wasn't that emotional, but it really, it, it really kind of warmed my heart when Zach and Adam have their first on-screen meeting at mm. the end, right? Of course they have their Zoom call <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, earlier in the film when uh, Adam and Aisha are, you know, trying to get there and they're on their ship. But when they're all in the, the command center at the end and there's just this beat between the two of them where it's like Zach's like there's this moment of acknowledgement where it's not explicitly said, but you feel like great job. Like, thanks for carrying on the mantle of the black Ranger. And it was just, it, you know, it, it redeemed a lot. I feel, you know, again, like we talked about the power yeah. transfer and they did the best job that they could in the situation that they were in. But at the same <laughs> time, it always felt, you know, there's something that's deeply unsatisfying about having those three original Rangers leave in their helmets and not have any kind of, like we get, and this is actually the subject of our next episode, uh, when Kimberly leaves. And there they were able to really arc her out of the show. And she participated in her final episodes and she hands the coin to Kat. And it's a wonderful moment. You never got that with the others. And so no. it took decades. But like now you got this moment between the two of them. And it was, again, I think it just sort of redeemed, you know, that sort of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the bad taste that's left when, you know, you kind of look back on, on those original episodes. I'm. I must admit, I. I didn't get. I, I. If. If that did happen, it must have been kind of a blinker. You miss it kind of moment, was it? Because it didn't feel substantial. I. I was waiting for a line as if to say, like a very blatant line from Zach to say, "Well, you know, you were my replacement" or something like that. They don't acknowledge that fully. I didn't think. And um, funnily enough, there's a but. But there's a behind the scenes video of Johnny Young Bosch and Walter Jones. 
on set together and they realize that this is the first time they've actually filmed anything because they've, they've known each other for so long because they've been doing these conventions and they've done panels together and all that kind of stuff on their own great terms, but they've never actually appeared together on camera before. Um, and they kind of realize in that little video that, oh, wow, we're, we're actually in character together on screen. This is, this is crazy, you know, but I, I, I kind of, I would have liked something more blatant where they kind of go, oh, you know, well, you replaced us when we were at the peace conference or whatever. Yes. Um, but no, it, it was nice to see them. Yeah. And it, it would have been a shame if we hadn't had something like that, where we see two ranges of the same color in the same, uh, in the same scene. Yeah. Yeah. And in fairness, I, I might've read more into that scene than was necessarily mm. intended, but I do swear. Cause again, I've watched it twice and I feel like there was like, it was just a beat longer than it needed to be. Okay. And that's, and I feel like that beat was that, that moment. So again, uh, it might've just been my, my, <laughs> my wishful thinking, <laughs> like this is what was going through their heads, but it just, and I don't know, I guess maybe it's open to interpretation, but I felt like there was just like a second longer between the two of them. And I felt like that was meant to acknowledge like, Hey, this is the, the two black Rangers and, and this moment of acknowledgement nice. between the two of them. But, uh, it was cool. You know, it's funny. And again, I had a sense of this from those legacy episodes, watching the clips, but especially, you know, uh, now having watched them more fully in, in a lot of these, like the legendary battle and, uh, and things like that, you have these moments where various Ranger teams emerge, right. To join the battle. Yeah. And the later Ranger teams, again, I, I, I know next to nothing about, and I could kind of take or leave, but especially when the mighty Morphin Rangers would show up in these episodes, it was always a little bit curious to me. It's like, well, which one? Again, yeah, which one? And and again, like you had mentioned before, of kind of questions going in, it's like it seemed like they, you know, we had already dealt with. They had lost the Dino powers, and then we had the Ninja powers, and then those were lost too, and that's that necessitated Zeo. So it was always kind of like, well, how are they able to still call upon the the old Mighty Morphin powers, and and who's there? And then there have been instances, you know, Legendary Battle in particular, where you have like the full Mighty Morphin team and the full Zeo team, and there are instances where it's like, well, how? Could it be <laughs> like there were, yeah. we, we've had replacements and things like that, but there are at least a couple of instances where it's like, well, it couldn't be like, it could only be one person. It couldn't be him because he was also him. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was always kind of curious, yeah. like I was always kind of curious about that. And it's not, I guess that we're not really given so much of an explanation, but I guess when you watch this special and you see that those original Rangers are still active. I guess maybe that in part helps account for what we've seen in those legacy episodes. Like they're just still out there around, presumably just as Billy figured out how to duplicate powers with those proxy coins. Like he found a way to restore the, the dino powers for like, so I, I guess it kind of tied a lot together with those legacy episodes, you know, not, not explicitly, yeah. but in a way. Yeah. I, I, I strongly suspected that they weren't going to explain how the powers came back. And I think the, impl the, 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 the insinuation is always to just say, oh yeah, well, Billy's really smart. He found a way, <laughs> you know? Um, but again, great, great fodder there for a, a comic. If they want to do that sometime, like explain how exactly that Billy was able to get the powers back up and running. Um, and like the swords were destroyed and everything, weren't they? Like, yeah. so I, I, I certainly the, the original Dino Megazord was destroyed. So they must've either rebuilt it or I don't know. Um, th there was another, actually watching it the second time, one of the things that stuck out to me was Billy summons the blaster thingy. I, I forget the name that the, are they the piranha gun or something? What's it called? Oh, I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> the, 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 the blasters that they have. My understanding was always that they can't 
use those weapons unless they're morphed. But Billy just ha- is able to. So again, Billy's really smart. <laughs> Must have figured out that. I don't know. Yeah, I guess he's. I guess he has sorted out a lot. And uh, you know, again, he. You know, you talk about sort of unfortunate exits from the show, right? When David Yost left during mm. CO, of course, now he's spoken out about everything that was going on behind the scenes and the, the uh, you know, uh, uh, abuse and discrimination he was facing and that led to him leaving. And on screen, it's, you know, very, you know, a very, uh, you know, kind of disappointing farewell to Billy where he's aged up and then he goes to Aquatar and he's, you know, it's like this very, uh, you know, difficult to see or hear, you know, I- image of him as he's saying he's going to stay on Aquatar. And like, that's it. So to see him come back and he's built I have this, to go now. My planet needs me. Yeah. So to see him come back and he's built this company and he's like, I was like Iron Man essentially. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, clearly he, it seems like he's gotten all these powers up and running and, and the, sh- the show still did reference, uh, Sestra and, and his time on Akatar and he's had all these space adventures. It was, did you, did you stop? Did you pause and explain that to your wife? Because I no. feel like that would be the funnier thing to have to explain <laughs> to someone. After the Z wave, I'm like, I'm not going to pause this again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I might, after we were done, I might've mentioned, but, uh, but yeah, and I figured, you know what? And I guess maybe that's another strength of this where for people like us who know more of the history of it, it's, it's really fulfilling because you get payoffs to a lot of things or explanations or at least acknowledgements. But for someone, Mm. again, like my wife who, you know, a far more casual fan, you know, it didn't take her out of it or anything. So I think it, it, again, struck a good balance there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I loved actually that the inclusion of the, the gay couple. Yeah. Um just halfway through when when Min is driving the, the rad book, by the way, was <laughs> just, just insane that they brought that back and that it was used so prominently in this. Um and then she drives over the putties, which is just hilarious. Um and then you know, it, just a nice, just little innocent bit of inclusion there. Because my understanding as well is that when Power Rangers was a Saban franchise that they were not keen on those kinds of things now i might be wrong there but i i or, or at least back in the day they weren't uh, that that may have changed in the more recent ones but it, it's nice to see that they're kind of embracing that kind of diversity now um so i thought that was nice i i, I must admit i was like a tad surprised that billy himself didn't turn out to be gay but then you know, I, I know that that was a thing that George Takei took issue with with Star Trek Beyond when they established that Sulu was gay. Like He was like, well, just because I'm a gay man does not mean that I have to play gay characters. So, you know, m- maybe there was an element of that too. David Yost doesn't want Billy to just be David Yost. He wants him to be the character. Um, but I, I, I just, that, that, that stood out to me, that the, the small moment of inclusion and then the mention of Sestria later on, which implies that, no, Billy is in a, a heterosexual relationship. Um, just, just interesting things. I thought. No, I, I agree. And you know, it's funny going back to the to the rad bug. I'm sure I've talked about this in an earlier episode. I can't remember, but when I guess it must have been when Power Rangers first hit Netflix, so years ago at this point. But that was that was kind of the first real instance where I was I wasn't really going all the way down the rabbit hole, but I was you know like watching at least you know scenes or episodes here and there because I just hadn't had access to it in so long. And then all of a sudden they were all there on Netflix. Mm. And I remember watching one of those early episodes and seeing them in the rad book. And I had no recollection of them 100%. in a flying car. And I remember it was like, <laughs> I was watching that. I was like, again, if you had offered me a million dollars and you'd be like, do they ever have a flying car? I'd be like, no, nah, I don't think so. 
So I, yeah. I was I was floored, and then yeah, it was, you know, it was nice to see that in here, and it gets a fair amount of play, you know, where they're you know they're they're all in it initially, and then Min takes it later. But yeah, that flying car, man, I had no memory of that from being a kid. And it's crazy because I do one of my earliest Power Rangers memories is Green with Evil. I remember the scene in the Juice Bar where Tommy is there and his eyes flash green and he's suddenly being horrible to Kimberly. I remember watching that when I was maybe four or five, like I was so young. Um, but I have no memory of the flying car at all. And I'm guessing, I, I think there's a wide shot of the car flying in the sky and you're like, okay, that's Japanese footage. So obviously that they had Japanese footage of a flying car and they just thought, great, Billy's built a flying car, do it. <laughs> I, I might be wrong. Maybe it was all American stuff. I don't know, but uh, love it. Rad bug, crazy. Wow. Now, again, we've been talking about how it's, this is so emotionally compelling and the stakes were higher and all of that. And mm. Yeah, I mean, just what was your reaction to the way that uh, they they dealt with Trini and and Min and and all of that? Because that's obviously, again, from an emotional standpoint, really the main thrust mm. of this. So I must admit, at the start of the episode, when they effectively plotify a, a real a person's real life death into a Power Rangers related calamity, I was kind of going, "Oh, guys, I don't know about this. Is this a little bit kind of?" off is this a little bit tactless like how would um twee trang have felt about this you know having have, having her real life be kind of turned into into a story for the purposes of entertainment i was kind of going oh i don't know about this but the way they handle it throughout the episode um i think that was done very very effectively and and the the daughter min trying to live up to her mother's legacy but she's ultimately seeking revenge instead of justice I thought that, that that was a lovely character arc for her to go to. It's, you know, didn't kind of reinvent the wheel or anything like that. We've seen similar superhero stories like this. Um, Batman Forever, I think, very similar kind of thing. Dick Grayson has gone on that sort of mission for revenge, but then he becomes a hero towards the end. Um, but I, I thought, yeah, no, I thought it was handled really, really well. There were certain aspects of it where I was kind of going, okay, so they only have 55 minutes here to tell what was clearly designed to have originally been, you know, a big eight-part series. And you, you could see them kind of rushing through certain interactions, I felt. But I think all the better then that they were able to pull it all together the way they did. And it, it was, I, I think it did really, really pay tribute to Tui Trang ultimately. And from what I understand, David Yost was really, really close to her in real life. Uh, even after they'd both left the show. Uh, and there's obviously that, that, you know, heartbreaking clip of him speaking to a news reporter, having just discovered that she passed, you know, so uh, I think anything, and he was obviously heavily involved in the story of this, so anything he created was came from a place of knowing her and loving her and, and respect for her and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was pleased with it overall, even though I was kind of uncertain at the start if that was the way to take it, you know. I, I had similar misgivings when, we saw that first teaser and it becomes clear mm. that Trini is killed by Rita in battle. And as we see, as, 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 it, as the scene unfolds, you know, she takes a blast meant for Billy, you know, Billy's, Billy's guilt is kind of twice over because she died for him in that moment. And on top of that, Rita's only there because of Billy's attempts to bring Zordon back. So, uh, you know, that, that really gives them a lot to mine there. But yeah, from that first moment, I, I had a similar reaction to I'm like, is this, is this appropriate? But yeah. I mean, I think a, you know, it's, I mean, and it's crazy to think how long it's been, uh, since she passed, mm. but it it's, we've had so many years and to your point, you know, the, you know, 
David Yost in particular, you know, so close to her. So, you know, you get the sense that from the the other actors and the people making this, that this was coming from a good place. Like it didn't feel uh, like they were exploiting her death or anything like that. And then I think when you watch this, you know, it becomes such, you know, she has such a, like the character of Trini has such a presence in this. And we see yeah. photos and we see, you know, when, when Min's powers, you know, activate and she has all of those flashes of Trini and everything, they really, and then of course that final, you know, scene in the juice bar where, uh, you know, Billy and Zach, but really the actors, right, are talking about uh, how how much they, they love and miss Trini and talking about her and everything. It's like, they really paid tribute to her in, in such a, mm. such a powerful way. And so I think it justifies, I think if it had just been that Trini dies and then like, it just kind of went off in a different direction, that would not have been appropriate. But they, I felt like, I felt like they earned it the, the way that it played out, that it was such a driving force yes. throughout the story. I, I agree. That's, that's the best way of putting it is that they do earn it as, as the, the special goes on, they kind of, that they are so respectful of her throughout that, you know, you, by the end of it, you you kind of forgive any misgivings you had going into it. Yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, she gets, a, it's a wonderful tribute to her. And then again, Zach takes on the surrogate father role. We find out that he had been a congressman and he gave up that career to, <laughs> to be a stay at home dad, essentially as, as men is going to high school and training and, and all of that. And Definitely one of my favorite scenes was the one between Zach and Min in the command center where he explains to her, like, you're on this mission of revenge and that's not what being a hero is. And the one thing that I guess I kind of bumped up with with this is that, uh, you know, there's all this talk about how, you know, we have to see justice, not revenge. And when, Mm. when, you know, Billy, you know, comes up with this whole plan to capture the two monsters and Min is like, well, you didn't destroy them. And he's like, well, all out destruction is rarely the optimal scenario here. Great, right? And that all tracks and that's all very yeah. Power Rangers. Yet in the end, they actually need to destroy uh, Sniz- Snizzard or Skizzard? Snizzard, right? Snizzard, Snizzard, I believe, yes. They have to destroy <laughs> Snizzard in order, in order to free the other Rangers. On top of that, every episode oh, yeah. of the show is always them destroying the monsters and with Rita in particular, there's all this business about, well, you know, you're on a mission of revenge. You can't kill. Billy stabs her in the back and then she survives. And then later Zach blasts her. So I feel like a little bit of, <laughs> I feel like a little bit of a mixed message here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, are, are we saying that Rita is definitely because, a, a, you know, D, DC loves to fudge these lines. She's a robot. Like she's not. We know that the real woman is is out there living a, a life of. I think she's called the Mystic Mother, and she comes back in yes. Power Rangers Mystic Force and all this kind of stuff. So this is not a this is not a person. This is this is evil energy that has assimilated a robotic robotic being. So maybe it's okay to kill her. I don't know. <laughs> Question mark. Maybe maybe it's more. Like the the intent, what's in what's in your heart, right? Okay, maybe that yeah, sort right, of thing. Like, like what's what's kind of driving, you know, what's driving her initially? Min is really this this darkness and this anger, right? And she wants mm. retribution for what happened to her mom, as opposed to, I guess, I mean, look, in the case of of Snizzard, it's like they really have to in order to save, you know, in order to save the other Rangers. Again, though, I still go back mm. to this idea they destroy the monsters in every single episode. So I don't know why yeah. this would have been different in terms of like why, why Billy didn't destroy them. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I honestly hadn't thought of that. And and to be honest, 
any flaws I have with this um, tend to be the more kind of pokier plot based things that I don't really care about if I believe in the emotional arc of the characters, but that is related to the emotional arc of the characters. So that does kind of tangle it up a little bit. I have to say now, yeah, that's giving me food for thought. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. That is, I mean, it is a little tough to reconcile when you, when you see the yeah. way it, way, the way it plays out. But uh, again, it's, I think it's a great arc for men and, you know, you see these, these two uh, attempts to morph and, you know, they use the music to great effect where it builds and you think mm. she's going to morph it. Of course she doesn't. And she's stuck in these situations. And then when she I finally has that. this moment. Yeah. I love that because I was sure, you know, that's the kind of thing where they could have slipped up and they could have just said, well, you know, anyone can just pick up the morpher and, and morph, but it doesn't work like that. You know, it has to, it's like the green lantern ring. Like you have to, it has to choose you. It has to believe that you're worthy enough to do it. I thought that was a lovely way to kind of to demonstrate that you can't just pick up the morpher and, and, and do it, you know, even though I, I, I certainly can. Um, I, I have a morpher here in front of the camera again. But um, no, that, that, that was really, really nice. And a nice kind of like, almost like a King Arthur type type uh, arc for her to go on where she finally is worthy enough to pull the sword out of the stone, you know? Yes. You know, we don't get a ton of gaps filled in as far as what characters have been up to or anything like that. I mean, again, a couple of lines about Zach having been a congressman. Uh, when when Rocky teleports in, he's in a firefighter getup, so clearly that's the path he's chosen. Side note, you know how he comes in and he's got his noodles, right? And then there's that later bit where, you know, he's teasing Alpha for, you know, throwing them out. It never, and maybe I just forgot or it never really registered that that was like Rocky's thing was food and he was always getting interrupted I, and I don't oh know, wow! And I don't know. I if, don't remember that at all. I don't know if it's that big of a thing, but I just for one of the episodes that we talk about in in, in two weeks during Kimberly's farewell arc, there's a whole thing. He's got like this giant sandwich, and right as he's about to eat it, he gets pulled away. And I think like <laughs> I, like I think that becomes like a little bit of a running thing with that character. So I don't think that was like completely random uh, in this special mm. here, but. Yeah, I mean, when it you know comes to Rocky, it's like not a ton of like clearly identifiable character traits, but I guess Characteristic, food yeah. and his uh, you know his constantly being interrupted while he's trying to eat, I guess maybe is is something I don't know. Um, that, that that was one of the things about the special being fifty five minutes long. I think was it would have been nice to have had the time to actually see Billy working in Cranston Tech and seeing all of that see Zach as a congressman because that for me was a little bit kind of huh like that doesn't really I mean I know that he did he went to the peace conference and all that so it, like it, it's a you know it, it's a credible career path but he doesn't really like you know that the, the scene that stands out to me is when Billy and Zach are wondering what they're going to say to Min like if Zach is a congressman if he's a politician he would be well versed in these kind of you know dealing with crisis management and, and how to talk to people and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really get that vibe from him. Um, and, yeah, no, but especially Billy and Cranston Tech. And, and Rocky's a firefighter. We see that he's a firefighter. It'd be nice to just maybe see him at the fire station or something like that. Though Those are the kind of like little bits where I feel like if this had been this longer kind of Cobra Kai-esque series that we would have had time to kind of visit all these places and see their lives as opposed to just being told about them. But... Um, but, you know, I think, again, they, they did an awful lot in 55 minutes and I, and I don't begrudge them for not having the time to, 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 to go down those sort of little side avenues, you know? Yeah. But, but no, I, I agree. You know, we, we, 
you know, Billy talks about his employees and everything and the fact that they're yeah. down below. And it's like, well, let's go upstairs. Like, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I bet again, I think within, I agree with you in, in terms of the limitations they had, they, they did accomplish a lot. We get confirmation yeah. here that Kat is JJ Oliver's mother, right? Because in Ninja Steel Dimensions in Danger, you know, Tommy's walking into the house, right? And we hear JJ inside. And Tommy's mm. on the phone with, you know, we're, we're not told who, but presumably, presumably Kat. But anyway, he's talking about, you know, them, you know, coming home or, or whatever. Uh, but we never see JJ there. Interestingly, in Dimensions in Danger, there's virtually no interaction between Tommy and Kat. They're standing in the same scenes together, but there's almost nothing yet. And I was, according to IMDb trivia, this was Jason David Frank's suggestion, but I, because I did notice at the end of that episode, when they're all jumping into the portals to go home, Tommy and Kat are holding hands. It's just a real, okay. real, real quick thing. And then here we get confirmation that Kat is JJ's mother. I guess there's still some ambiguity. You're not, we're not told explicitly, are they, to, you know, are Tommy and Kat together? And there's nothing to tell you that they're not, but uh, I guess they still, there's still a little bit of, uh, you know, they don't give you a firm answer on that. But at least now you know that for sure that Cat uh, is JJ's mother. So filling in some gaps there. Now, um, I'm going I'm to disagree with you on this. Uh, have you read the Soul of the Dragon comic? <laughs> so it's sitting on the shelf and I haven't gotten to it yet. But does that, so what does that say? So, so that is firmly that Kat and Tommy are together and married and JJ is, okay. is their child that they have. And, and, and I'm, I'm, my understanding is that that is an actual canon comic as opposed okay. to the rest of the series, which is sort of its own kind of pocket universe that's mostly the same, but is slightly different in some ways. So, Soul of the Dragon, as far as I understand, is, is actually canon and it yeah, firmly establishes that they're, that they're together. Um, uh, personally... I, th- I thought Soul of the Dragon was was maybe not quite as good as it could have been, but it, like it, it's definitely well worth a read because uh, Jason David Frank was involved, I believe, in actually he collaborated with Kyle Higgins on the story, um, and and yeah, we meet JJ in the story and we we see the the Master Morpher and all that kind of stuff, uh, so it's well worth a read. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, cool. No, that's great to know. It's on the list. I'll be covering it covering it in a future episode, and and I'm. I'm more than happy to have Tommy and Kat together. So I'm not arguing for them not to be, but I, that's great. And if that is the, are you not, not as, not as much of a fan? No, no, I, I, I just feel like, you know, maybe it's just nostalgia, but like, I really feel like Jason David Frank and Amy Joe Johnson had amazing chemistry. Like they just burst off the screen and like, neither of them were, you know, the, the world's greatest actors, but they had chemistry. Whereas, I don't know, I, I don't know if he had the same chemistry with Catherine Sutherland. And it was it, it felt like more of a kind of a plot convenience because Kimberly wasn't there anymore, so they did that dear John letter or whatever and broke up with him off screen, and then so that he could, cat could pick up the pieces type stuff. Never got the same vibe from them, I have to say. But I mean, you know, it's fine. Yeah, uh, no, I, they, they, we're uh, we're really nitpicking here. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I I hear you. I totally get that. I also what I I appreciated here was that I've been talking about this in all these episodes where what's been such a delight in rewatching the old Mighty Morphin episodes is seeing how much of the, of the action, the, the actors were actually participating in before they morphed yes. all those putty fights and everything. Mm. It, it's, it's so, it's, it's so compelling and visceral. Uh, that's why when we get into the ninja territory and I talk about this even more in our next episode, never really liked that. Or I guess I didn't mind it so much as a kid, but as I'm rewatching it now, it's like, Oh, well then once they put on those ninja outfits, they're not there. And so I really feel like you lose something. Yeah. So here I thought it was a very effective device to have, uh, these monsters, Minotaur, I guess in particular, who can track the rangers when they're morphed and then Snizzard can, you know, 
abduct them and and you know use that to drain their energy and power Rita's time travel device. So that necessitates them being unmorphed for a substantial piece of this and getting that great fight, especially in the juice bar with Zach and uh, and Rocky against the putties and stuff. Yeah. So I thought it worked out great. That that was lovely, and and you know I, I think that those unmorphed fights um, that they were the crucial, they were the key component. I think for covering up the uh, the seams, as it were, between the American footage and the Japanese. Like if we were literally going from classrooms and hallways and juice bar into a morphing and then suddenly we're in Japanese footage, I don't know if the the effect would have worked for us as kids. And I think those unmorphed scenes, and, and they were very impressive. Like Jason David Frank especially just kicked ass uh, in those scenes. So and, and, and they were very charming in this. Yes, people have gotten a bit older. They don't move as fast as maybe they used to, but I, I was very grateful to see them see them jumping and flipping and, and doing kicks and stuff. It was it was good fun, yeah. You, I agree with you. Put that very well, that that was sort of the, the key. I think you're right. I think had you not had that in the original episodes, I don't mm. know that it lands the same. Those unmorphed fights, I think, really pull you in. And then you're you're along for the ride and you can suspend your disbelief then as we head into the morphed uh, version of the yeah. show. But if you didn't have that bridge, yeah, I don't know that it works. Yeah, and and I especially p- people always kind of ask, well, you know, what exactly are and and I know you've asked this as well. What exactly are their powers? Oh yeah. <laughs> and one of the things one of the things I really like in the 1995 movie, we see them fighting unmorphed again. Really impressive sequence. Billy has that line, "You lose, you lose," all that stuff. But we can tell that like it's very ground based fighting when they're unmorphed, and then suddenly they're they're overwhelmed and they can't beat them. And then they morph and suddenly it turns into crazy crouching tiger territory where they're doing, you know, these insane gravity defying flips and they're, you know, kicking into the air. And it, it, it's 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 visually very clear that there's a distinction there between what they're able to do when they are morphed as opposed to when they're just jumping around in their in their halter tops and their <laughs> their uh, their their vests and all these kind of things, you know. Yes, that was one of the things. And one of our upcoming episodes is on the 2017 film. And and while, while I really did enjoy it and I like it for what it is, one of the things that, you know, I still haven't come around on is that they're, they, they have these powers unmorphed, right? I really like the idea of, mm. you know, again, kind of seeing that that evolution and, you know, they, they can achieve only so much in their unmorphed forms and then they morph. Whereas in the movie, it's really played as like, you know, then they have armor, but it's still like they have, they have powers throughout, so. Yeah, I, 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 I've always, and this is just my own fan thing, but like, I, like they, they are literally morphing. Like, it, it should be something subatomic. Like, it shouldn't just be, oh well, now we have armor, yeah, or now, now we have armor and we can, we can have little blasters. It needs to be something far bigger and greater than that when you morph, you know. <laughs> yes. No. We're really I, getting into it here. No, absolutely. Well, listen, man, this is what we're here for. Oh, what did you think of Rita's ultimate? plot right that she has this time travel device she wants to uh, meet up with her younger self and team up and share everything she's learned and kill the rangers before zordon recruits them what'd you think of that whole bit i thought it was fun but uh i i I found myself wondering why they didn't go further with it i mean if you're going to introduce time travel in that way we we want to actually go back in time and and see some kind of it whereas whereas it was only really a teaser taster of it in the end i thought um you know, and, and it, it could just as easily have been, you know, her trying to bring back, I don't know, Serpentera or, or one of those, you know, crazy, you, you, you know, the, the the big guy with the um, the spikes in his head. And he's kind of like the, I think he's called, I think he's literally called Lord Satan or something in the original Sentai. 
but he's uh, the really kooky looking guy. I'm trying to remember his name. I feel like he could have been a good uh, legacy villain for her to try and retrieve or something like that. The, the 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 time travel thing, yeah. Again, it feels like something that if this had been an eight part series, that we we would have actually gone back in time. We would have seen the two astronauts on the moon, and and and, and I know they show the the archive clip, but I feel like we would have actually filmed that again, and there would have been some interaction there. Um, yeah, I I, I don't know. It, it it felt kind of unfinished that part of it. I mean, it didn't didn't affect my enjoyment of it, but I I didn't didn't feel like it was fully fleshed out that whole thing. I agree. I think I was also surprised. I mean, not surprised because like we said, you you know what the runtime is and you know kind of how deep into mm. this you're getting at a certain point. So you know it's only going to go so far. But I guess I, if you had told me that we were going to have this time travel element and it would only go so far as Rita seeing her past self come out of the dumpster and then that's it, I would have been like, oh, really? Like it just felt like there was more that there was they, they would have gone deeper and, and, and done mm. something more with it. But yeah, I mean, maybe the intention was to do that and, and they weren't able to. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but it, it's certainly fine for what it is. You know, we had, again, we had a lot of teleporting. We had the traditional morphing with them calling out the dinosaur names. And for Rocky, or not Rocky, but for uh, Kat in particular, that's the first time she calls out uh, Pterodactyl. Because when she had come on to the show, yes. originally it was the Pink Ranger power and all of that. But it's the first time that both of them pilot the Dino Zords. Because when Rocky had come on, they were already into the Thunder Zord territory. So that was really mm-hmm. cool. Of course, we had the Zord. We had the Megazord formation. We had the traditional, though now rendered by CGI. But you know, the sort of their emergence from the earth and the, you know, the, the shot of them running together, like all. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all right, right from the show. I mean, were there any, we talked about no Zordon, we talked about no Bulk and Skull. Were there any other hallmarks of the show that, that you missed or that, that were there that we didn't talk about? I'm trying to, we, we hit on a lot, but I'm just curious, curious if there's anything else on either side. I mean, I like villain wise, Lord Zed to me is just, and an entirely American creation, by the way, he wasn't in the Japanese show. I just think he's so cool. And when you go back to the show as an adult, like looking at that design, I'm like, God, how did that not absolutely terrify me as a child? Kind of wouldn't wouldn't have minded if he was in there in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, now I understand that he is he makes a big grand return in one of the newer shows, and I think he's actually a recurring villain now or something. So maybe they, yeah. they kind of thought, well, we're kind of, we're kind of doing that over there. Um, that, that, that was maybe one thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately I'm always going to want more Jason David Frank, but obviously the, the, there was other reasons there, even beyond the, 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 his passing. Um, but, but, but again, going back to what I was saying earlier on, I, th- I think it's, it's kind of fortunate that he, that he wasn't in a way like that, that he did decline because it just gave, it, it reminded me how much I liked Billy as a kid. And, uh, and I think Billy had a very, very important role on that show of like, you know, showing kids that intelligence is good and should be celebrated and that it can save the day, rational thinking and studying and all that. Like, it's, a, it's just a nice message. And he, he did, I did really, really like Billy as a kid. So I was glad that he really had uh, such a grand return in this. Um, anything else? Yeah, I mean, other than just little fan thing, I would have liked to have seen a Master Morpher. I love the Master Morpher. Um, and, and I kind of like a lot of people have sort of suggested that, well, maybe Adam has a master morpher because Adam, you know, was mighty morph and black and then he was Zeo and then he was turbo. So, you know, if anyone, he should have one as well. And then, um, I'm trying to think, is there anyone else who Catherine maybe, but then she was only really pink Zeo and turbo. 
Um, that would have been kind of fun if there'd been a Master Morpher in there. That, 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 those are small little fan things, you know. I think generally it was very well rounded for 55 minutes, man. I mean, I just I can't get over that how much and how effectively they managed to squeeze a full length, uh, what felt like a movie and not just an episode. It felt like a real movie, and they did it in 55 minutes. So I, I, I left very, very pleased, I have to say. I actually, sorry, to go back to one thing you said, uh, the, the, the CGI was definitely adequate in the moon battle, I thought, the Megazord fight. It, it, it would have just really, really sealed the deal if we just even had a couple of shots of a guy in a big suit. It would have been just lovely. But I know there's such a huge cost to that. And, you know, I, I was surprised they built the, as many new sets as they did, you know? So if, if that's the trade-off, then, you know, we have a brand new command center set a brand new interior of the megazord set was really cool the rita's palace was really really cool nothing looked like it was just rushed you know filmed in a volume type thing like they do on the marvel things like it actually all looked completely there and real and lovely and they can use it again now hopefully um so if the trade-off is we don't get a guy in a robot suit then you know i'm okay with that uh yeah i you know it's funny because with that that zord fight on the moon i felt like the Megazord itself, I didn't have as much of an issue with. It was more the monster where I felt mm. like that just looked off. Yeah, and I think it was the animation. Like, the, the character models were there, but it was the way they were animated just looked a bit funny and funky and janky and and, and not quite there, you know? And I, I'm sure it was just a money and a time thing like these things always are. But, um, yeah, I, I have heard people unfavorably compared to the 1995 movie and it's not that bad come on <laughs> it's not that bad no it's not but th- th- there are kind of oh sugar sorry no no quite all right quite all right yeah but it's definitely not yeah it's definitely not anywhere near as bad as as that <laughs> and having, having recently watched that 95 movie yeah it's it's not in that territory you know but no, uh no. yeah and it's also it's also better than what we've been seeing on the the regular show in recent seasons okay. know, since they switched to CGS. So it's definitely a step above that. I, it wasn't something that mm. ruined the experience for me. It was just, it just reminded me yet again, where I'm just like, man, what we got in the early nineties was still, I would still take that over this. There's so just, you know, yeah. just interesting. Like I, what, the only thing I would say that the turbo movie surpassed the 1995 movie in was the Zord stuff. Like, you know, there's a reason the Japanese movie companies and TV companies were doing that for so long. Like the Godzilla movies were still a guy in a suit. I mean, even that that recent one was a guy in a suit, wasn't it? Godzilla, Shin Godzilla. I think they they used suitmation again for that. I, I might be mistaken there now, but like some of that stuff looked really, really, really good into the 90s. And it's such a shame that the 95 movie did the CGI stuff when... I think they they really could have done something really lovely if they'd had guys in suits and a big Ivan who's, you know tearing down cardboard cities and stuff that would have been really fun um but yeah it probably just costs so much money when they could just do it in cgi so look yeah now this i would say all in all this was immensely fulfilling like more than it like not not more than we deserve but it's like more more than you would think it it to be and, absolutely. and it was an absolute blast to watch and it, you know going back to just one more thing with the zord and i had mentioned this before but you know seeing billy front and center that's one of the things, especially going back and watching the power transfer and everything. And it's like, you know, of course, Tommy as the white Ranger was the leader at that point, but especially when we're talking about the Zord battles, you know, mm. it's Rocky as the red Ranger in the center of that cockpit. And it's like, yes, that's the yeah. footage that they had to work with. I get that. But it's like, no, in a situation like that, you, you would expect someone like, like Billy or Kimberly, like one of them who's been there all along to kind of now slide into the center. And so 
Second command, yeah. I, I guess I keep coming back to this idea of just of, of redemption, right? Of sort of redeeming some of these things that maybe have, you know, have, have been in my head over these years or, or even if it didn't bother me as a kid, but I've thought about it and rewatching it now. We, you get that moment now of Billy in the middle of that cockpit and it's, and it's perfect and it's, it, it fits. So uh, it was really, Absolutely. really cool to see that. Really, really good. And and so many people get to say it's morphin time in this. Yes. Like it's it's so rare in the old show. It was always either Tommy or Jason. And sometimes I I definitely remember an episode where Zach did it. And I'm sure there are examples where they've all done it at some stage. But for the most part, it's usually just the leader that gets to do it. Whereas in this, nearly everybody gets to say it. So great. It's morphin time. Yes. Why wouldn't you want to say it? It's it's such a like whenever you hear that, it's just like a jolt of energy runs through your body. It's it's amazing. It's pure nostalgia that's very true yeah i mean when uh when zach in particular when zach calls the morph in the command center that was probably my favorite of of the various calls mm. uh in this special but it, it was great i mean to see you know to see those two in particular and, and everything they were able to accomplish it was uh it was tremendous is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to with once and always um i i, I i've one or two little small just one small um mortal sin that this committed uh, if you watch the subtitles, which which I always do because I'm an old man now, um, I, I watch everything with subtitles. Uh, towards the end of it, Billy is talking about Zordon and all this kind of stuff, and 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 or, uh, we're talking about how Trini or how Min had these flashbacks of Trini, and that they're they're trying to determine what was the cause of it. And and Billy says, and I quote, "The morphing grid." It uh, works in mysterious ways. And the subtitle has the G and there is no G. It's morphin. It's not morphing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, that, that stood out to me and I haven't seen anyone point it out. It, it's, it's specifically morphin. Now, I, I'm not 100% sure if David Yost says the word incorrectly or if it's just the subtitles, but that, that did stand out to me. Um, but I mean, that's such a small complaint, <laughs> but it, it did, it, it just stood out. I thought it was funny. It's a bit like in those old episodes of Star Trek, the next generation where data would say couldn't or can't, or he'd use these, um, what's the word in, in infractions or, or, or whatever the word is, but when he would, he's supposed to say could not, or, you know, um, oh, contractions contractions apologies yeah yeah so i i, I just thought it was what what a nitpick but i just thought it was really really funny it's morphin grid not morphing grid. i think david yo says morphing because i feel like i mean i've already watched it twice and i have to go back a third but i feel like there was i didn't dwell on it but i feel like there was a moment where i was like wait a minute so uh, don't hold me to that but i, I think he might say morphing that's, that's right. funny that's all funny right. <laughs> um, but i i just hope they i if they want to make one of these every year i'll be there for it i mean like I, I didn't expect to come out of it thinking that they would do more in the in the vein of this special, but I, I hope they do. I, I really, I, why not? Like, and they've built all these sets. Surely they're going to use them again, you know. And you know, you mentioned Cobra Kai before, yeah. which I love endlessly. And there you have this whole multi generational aspect. And you know, now we have Min. We've established JJ now a couple of times, right? And of course, sadly, yeah. we know we, we would not be seeing Tommy. But now you have another member of the next generation to kind of step up just as Min did. So you really can kind of keep building this out. I, I think there's so much potential here and clearly they left it open. Zordon's not back yet. I, you know, I, there, there's unfinished business. They, I don't know. I mean, I really feel like, uh, like you, I really hope we get more of these, whether it, whether it's more of these specials or a limited series or an on, like mm. whatever they do more in this vein. And I mean, I, 
I, you know, like it was trending on Netflix and it seemed like it did well. I and mean, you know, of course they're notoriously yeah. guarded with their, you know, metrics and all that stuff. But I hope that it, it garnered the reaction that they wanted to and, and we get more because it, there's, there's a lot of potential here. And, and I know uh, the, the elephant in the room that the, the IGN gave it a, a sort of a middling review. They complained about the, uh, the special effects and the, and some of the dialogue. I'm kind of like, guys, welcome to Power Rangers. Yeah, it's like, like, have you ever watched the show? Like, what um, <laughs> But but other than that, like the fan response seems to be universally positive. I, I was seeing so many people on Twitter just talking about how, oh, like I was crying at the end and it was such a great tribute. And I, I barely saw anyone kind of complain about it. So you would assume then that people must be watching it and rewatching it on Netflix. You know, why not? Just just make a few more, you know. Um, I can't imagine it broke the bank in terms of, you know, the, the cost of it or anything like that. So why not? Yes. Amen. No, I hope to see that. Yes. And that end, you know, we, we do get, um, I don't know that we've mentioned it directly yet, but you know, we do get that clip from an old episode at the end of Kimberly performing the song. And then of course, you know, we get the, the on-screen tribute to Tweet Trang and Jason David Frank. And I mean, not a dry eye in the house. Uh, it, you know, it, it really, it really gets you, but I guess the, the last thing I'll say to kind of tie this up is just, you know, in, in hearing your Power Rangers fan journey, and I've shared mine, and I, I, I think for a lot of people, we're kind of in the same boat, right? The franchise has gone on for three decades, and I think for all yeah. of us, you kind of just age out or fade out at a certain point, and there's not always so much of a clear – like, look, I couldn't even remember when it was. You know, I thought it was one point, it was later. So, you know, well, I think for – I feel like for a lot of us, we never really had closure necessarily in terms of when we kind of – fell out of it. And then even just within the mm. context of the story, as we've talked about many times, you had these characters who left under less than ideal circumstances and it was abrupt. And so I feel like for a lot of us, there's probably some degree of unfinished business as Power Rangers fans. And you mm -hmm. get something like this and it just, again, pays off a lot of things, ties things together, redeems moments. And it's just kind of like this gift that we were given as Power Rangers fans. And I don't know. I don't know what else I can say that 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 about this, but it was just uh, it was really an experience, and I, I enjoyed chatting about it with you. So I thank you very much. Thank you. I'm I'm so glad that uh, it was this specific episode that that I that I got to appear on to talk about this because what a what a landmark uh, thing to have happened, you know, as as a, as a fan of this. So so thanks for having me. Yeah. No, my pleasure. And I. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast now is is that it's the 30th anniversary, and I was thinking about Power Rangers, you know, more than I had. But at this, but it's also just like, I mean, I would have been interested in this special either way, but especially mm. that I'm in the midst of this and I've been watching episodes for the first time since I was a kid. I mean, this could not have come at a better point for me in my Power Rangers fan journey. So it, it was great. And I appreciate you coming on. And where would you like to direct folks uh, if they want to check out your podcast? Uh, yeah, so you can find we we are the All Star Super Fan Podcast. We we cover uh, anything and everything within the eighty five year legacy of Superman. Uh, we're on all the, the the big platforms. And if you could give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, especially, we'd really really appreciate that. And we're on all the social medias. I'm very active on the Twitter. And my co-host Alan is very active on the Instagram, um, and you, so you can interact with us on that. And we we have a Facebook page as well, uh, so so check out all of that. And we have um, I'm trying to think what episodes we have coming up. I mentioned to you off camera we we did a, an episode on for the man who has everything. We recorded it literally a day before I think you dropped your episode, but we are we got, are going to release an episode on that. And then um, 
We have an interview with Ed Gross, who is a really, really interesting journalist who has written this brand new book, Voices from Krypton. Uh, so, so that'll be out soon as well. And then we've loads of kind of um, interviews with various actors associated with the Superman franchise and, and, and writers and, and, and that kind of thing. So uh, check all of those out. Excellent. Yes, I hope everyone will. Uh, thank you again, Rob. Thank you, audience. I hope you enjoyed this discussion of Once and Always. Make sure you come back in two weeks. Next time, we'll be talking about Kimberly's farewell arc uh, that culminated with a different shade of pink. So it's a really fun one. I hope you will join us for that. And of course, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all 